0: Log talk radio.
1: I'm not quite sure what we're listening to here. I don't know what that was
0: Okay, everybody. Well, we're back. I am back in the country, obviously still getting used to the new switchboard, which is not really new. But the fact I is, that say, is that I'm the same, same, switch, to same board we've had for years. Yeah, I, I was trying to make an excuse, which didn't exactly work. So that being said, I'm back on U.S. time, Eastern time, whatever time, no longer jumping off bridges, but still lost nine pounds somehow in the process. And... The March madness continues and the madness is for a so called sports expert like myself or so some have billed me a sports expert, I have absolutely no final four teams. None. So Seth, I have no idea who you have, but you won. Because my (laughs) bracket was so bad this year that I'm just happy I'm getting a tax refund. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Yeah. You're, you you're making me look good. Um, I, you, as not that I did particularly well, I only have, I think one team left and that's Gonzaga. Um, but to be fair, not too many teams, have, not too many people have more. Maybe you, maybe you had Carolina. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure there were very few people who had Oregon. Um, once Chris Boucher went out with a torn ACL and, to me, South Carolina, and we talked about this a little bit on my Facebook this week. Um, this was one of the most unlikely teams, to in my mind, to ever win, to ever win a regional. And this was the thought process I had from a big conference. I'm not talking about George Mason. I'm not talking about VCU. You know, there are teams that have had lower seats. Um, you know, uh, LSU in 1986 did Wichita, uh NC State did when they won the championship in 83, Villanova did when they had an 88, or when they did an 85, excuse me. But this, and I argued with a few people about this, this was so obscure because you, I mean, Villanova had, you know, had been to a Final Four before. NC State won the championship less than a decade. There was some history, there was something to that. Even LSU has had, had Pete Maravich. Have you heard anything other than Frank McGuire being a coach for South Carolina? They had one team in the 70s that was decent, but still didn't make the tournament. Have you ever heard anything about South Carolina
0: basketball? Well, I heard one thing in that I was at Barclays Arena when Syracuse got trashed by them earlier in the year and saw them live. So I could say I saw that. So it must be that Syracuse was basically just laying down for Final Four teams because we lost to North Carolina. I think we're probably one of the few, if any team, that lost to two of the Final Four teams this year because these are two of the most obscure ones, and they're from obscure conferences, right? I mean, you got the Pac-10, you got the WCC, with Gonzaga, you got the SEC and the ACC. And for teams to have played two of those four teams and lose to two of those four teams, I think it has to be, I don't know, kind of unusual this year. They're not exactly those conferences that play uh, inter conference schedules. So uh, if anything else, we have that going for us. But you're absolutely right. They are definitely one of those teams, like OGCU, that you just don't hear about, and they are from a Power 5 conference. So I actually went back and looked on uh, CBS.com for the lowest seeds from Power conferences, and I think that that would kind of be playing in here. Um, Michigan State is a 5. Um, in 2000, surprisingly, North Carolina and Wisconsin were both, both 8 seeds. Yeah. And I was a little surprised by that. Michigan has a sixth seed in ninety two when they won it. They won the No, whole they didn't thing. win it. That was that was the Fab five year. They didn't oh, win 89, it. Eighty nine right, eighty nine they won, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Kansas and Providence, six seeds in eighty seven and eighty eight. LSU a an eleven seed, as you said, in nineteen eighty six. Nova an eighth seed in eighty five. And once we go past eighty five, I mean you're you're going to a different type of game. And in 1980, UCLA UCLA was made seed. So, I mean, those are the Power Five conferences that had the lowest seeds. And here we are with South Carolina. And you're absolutely right. Before, figure the last 20 years, if South Carolina was on your schedule, you probably thought that you had a winning game. Yeah. To me, they're
1: in... The argument, I yeah, maybe they were good this year, but did anyone have any expectation? Did you know anyone? Have you heard of anyone other than uh, than Thornwell? The answer is no. I mean, unless you work, unless you went to USC and you're a South Carolina fan, or you are a, you know you follow college basketball professionally, nobody knows any of the guys on on South USC. Let's call it what it is. And, but, but watching them beat Duke. And make no mistake about it, they, they got a very lucky break as a seed that they moved the North Carolina bracket to Greenville, South Carolina, because of the North Carolina transgender rule last year. So for a seven seed to be hosting a two seed is unique to say the least. Um, they looked brilliant against them. They looked brilliant against Baylor. And I don't think you were you back for any of these games or no?
0: No, I have not watched other than – no, I have not watched a full college basketball game even this past weekend. I was kind of in and out of consciousness most of the time. So, no, I have not watched a game. I was articulating that at work today. A game in this NCAA tournament has kind of been a lost month for me. So, no. Yeah.
1: So, there was nothing about watching South Carolina that made you feel – You've watched them you they you felt that they felt like the best team in that in that region, as strange as that sounds, and I got yelled at because you know because i and I had mentioned this to you that how cool would it be you know maybe we'll go to Duke Villanova at m s g for the Eastern conference final, the defending champion versus the best team you know of the last twenty years, and to see neither of them make it out of this out of the second round is jarring. Now, to be fair, they no, Wisconsin had no business being an eight-seed, none, zero. As someone who watches the Big Ten pretty intently as a Maryland fan, they're the second-best team in the conference behind Purdue. So when we saw Michigan, Minnesota as a five and Michigan as a – whatever, Michigan was a seven, I guess. What a, The idea that Wisconsin was – and Maryland was a six. The idea that Wisconsin was an eight was incomprehensible to most of us. Um. Bad matchup for Nova, Wisconsin wins. You missed an interesting tournament. It's been a fun one. There haven't been, other than the Florida-Wisconsin, which was just unbelievable, there haven't been too many buzzer beaters, but there have been a lot of interesting games. Xavier acquitted himself very, very well. Um, you know, Arizona, once again, kind of self-destructing. Uh, it's been fun. And now we're down to four. And I look around, and I honestly have no clue who's going to win this. I really don't. Oregon would have been my pick to win the national championship if Chris Boucher hadn't gotten hurt. But what do they do? They bring in their backup Jordan Bell, pretty much doing his Ben Wallace impersonation. They beat the living crap out of Kansas. And Kansas was playing better than any team in the tournament. And they annihilated them. I think you have a really interesting matchup with Carolina-Oregon. And I don't know how, and Gonzaga, you know, showed their mettle when that West Virginia game that wasn't a game. That was a battle. That was a straight-out war. And then they kind of cruised once they got past, that, past Xavier, who had nothing left after the Arizona game. So you're looking at Gonzaga, South Carolina. I'm thinking it's going to be Carolina, Gonzaga. But, man, I really have no feel right
0: now for this. I really okay, don't. Okay, so, so you and I have talked numerous times about – North Carolina, and I'll say this in a very macro manner, your lack of respect for, for North Carolina in comparison to the respect that they get across the country, and you feel that they are an overrated team most of the time, does this, solid, this tournament solidify or basically impress you to the point that they, you don't feel that they're overrated? At least this team.
1: Well, do I think, if I look at this team, it's hard for me to gauge, and this is why. I think they had an absolute walkthrough to the final eight. And they should have probably lost to Arkansas. Um, And Arkansas fell apart in the last two minutes of the game. Their game against Kentucky, were they particularly impressive? Not really. I mean, Defensively, they stopped. Fox got into foul trouble. They stopped Monk. Monk, they couldn't. Monk couldn't get on track. I, I mean, but I have to give them credit because they went to the finals the second consecutive year. They went to the final four. They lost on an unbel- in an unbelievable game last year. But I think they were probably a better team last year. Um, this team, but this team, what this team does is this team that team played defense. This team rebounds. This team can offensive rebound better, I think better than anyone in the country. And that's why it's an intriguing matchup with Oregon when you have the athletes that they do and the big men that they have. I think, I think it's, I think I, I don't know how to read it. I really don't. Um, But, you know, the reality is Carolina has not had phenomenal, they haven't had typical Carolina players over the last three, four years. And the idea, you know, that this team has gone to the final four you know, just like last year. And this look, it was I as I said, I they, the draw I think was vastly overrated for their difficulty in this one. But, you know, you give credit where it's due. They beat Kentucky in in a hell of an ending. How do you take away from a team that's gone the back to back final force? Agreed. Well without um, without a, without transcendent talent, which they've often if, had.
0: Okay, so let's go a step further with your assertion that Roy Williams is not a great coach. You're telling me he doesn't have transcendent talent, and he is putting together two Final Fours in all likelihood well, I mean, we don't know, but at least one Final team, which came as close as you can to winning it last year. And as somebody that was there can attest, and then another Final Four game team this year, are you buying? Look, I'm talking. I'm talking like around the horn. Are you buying the fact that Roy Williams is better than you thought? I don't think I have any. Argue. I
1: don't think I can argue to the contrary. I mean, do I like what he does? Do I think? Do I think he gets? I, I can't look at him and say, and put him. I don't think of him on the same level as a coach or as a Iso, or as a Patino, but the reality is the results have shown it, shown me to be wrong. You know, I mean, he can't, he never won a title with Kansas, but man, you know, they were in the final four lots of times and they, you know, it's not hard to recruit to Kansas. I don't know why people want to go to Kansas, but it's not particularly hard to recruit there. You know, he, Recruiting North Carolina not particularly difficult, except for the last couple of years. But you know, with lesser talent, they have gone to back-to-back Final Fours. They won national championships when they had the talent. I, you know, maybe it's maybe I, I, you know, and I brought this up a month or two ago that maybe I have kind of underrated. I don't want to say underrated North Carolina because it seems kind of a silly thing because it's hard to underrate a team like Carolina. But maybe they, maybe I haven't given them the respect that they warranted as being one of the top, if not the top school, this basketball school of the last, you know, how many years.
0: Okay, that, that's fair. All right, so let's move on to, um, I got a disturbing text message from you while I was in, I don't know, I think it was in Sydney. And your re, your question was, are you surprised by Hopkins leaving? And at that point, I was like, Hopkins did what? Oh, you Hopkins? No, not at the time. I was sleeping when it happened. So, and no, I I had no idea. And then I woke up to a flurry of text messages. And what I'm referring to is the proverbial and now ex-coach-in-waiting, who had spent 21 years with the Syracuse Orange as a player, as an assistant, left Syracuse to go to the University of Washington to be their top coach, to be their head coach. And obviously, either one of two things happened. He got tired of waiting. Well, that definitely happened. I I don't think there's a doubt on that one. Or Or Boeheim was not of the ilk to leave after next year. And, Seth, we've had this conversation before, and I said prior that the only reason that Jim Bayheim was scheduled to retire wasn't because Jim Beheim wanted to retire. It was because two years ago when Syracuse was under sanctions or going through a sanctionary period, which – Louisville should soon know all about. They made Jim Bayheim the sacrificial lamb. And they said we will he will leave after three years. And because of that, Hopkins became the coach and waited by not not by default, but by contract. Well, it's become kind of obvious in the last year, year and a half, that Jim Bayheim has no desire to step down. And I have mixed feelings about this. It's the old curmudgeon that you're kind of saying, all right, big boy, you've you've done your piece. You are a legend. You should now heed to the younger people and usher in a new generation of coaches, which Mike Hopkins would be. Then the other side of me says, who am I to say when, Jim Beheim should step down. Uh, and I don't really have an answer to either one of them. I just know that Syracuse is in incredible lurch right now.
1: I don't think so. Um, look, he took a job. Now, I read an article. Obviously, you haven't been reading as much as I have over the last couple of weeks because um, you've been, well, jumping off bridges and stuff. But I read an article that said that Beheim legitimately thought he was going to retire after next year so nobody that was his comment a couple weeks ago after this came out that he had said that this was he was going to hold to this now whether he was happy about it or not is a whole other issue if hopkins we've seen the coach in waiting many times and first of all i actually think it's a really it's not a bad move at all He's going to University of Washington, one of the most beautiful campuses in the country, where you can recruit. Um, it's a team that's had town. Now, they're going to be a complete rebuild. because Half the team is leaving. They're, not, they're the number one recruit in the country in Michael Porter. He left. No, they already. don't. They follow him. Yeah. No, he left.
0: He's gone. Yeah, he yeah, He's going yeah. to
1: Missouri to follow his dad. Um, there's no expectation there. And you'll have the time to build something. Lorenzo Romar, while very good, a very good recruiter and well-liked, apparently, in the coaching community, in 13 years really didn't do much um, he, with University of Washington. I think they went to a couple. They won one or two Pac-10 championships. They went to a couple tournaments. They won one when Isaiah Thomas hit like a 30-footer at the buzzer to beat Arizona. The, the bar is not set that high, and it's not a basketball school. So he'll have time to build that up. And look, if in three or four years he builds it up and builds something, and this is when Bayheim leaves, the obvious thought is, well, if he wants to come back, that may that opportunity may arise. But you know, we to to wait and wait and wait. At a certain point, you start to stagnate. And. As he said, he probably knew in the back of his mind that Beheim really didn't want to leave. And now that he wasn't really being forced out, you know, he had turned down overt- overtures before. He had turned down opportunities to interview before. This
0: one, I think, is a pretty good one. And Oh, I, I don't disagree with that. I said it leaves Syracuse in the lurch. I don't think it – I don't – look. He turned. Out, he was in the running for the other USC job, being the main right. USC job, the Southern California job. And if he had gotten that job, he would have taken it. I don't begrudge Mike Hopkins at all. I think no, I, I don't this, think it leaves Syracuse in a lurch. Oh, I do. I, I think. There, I think I don't think Hold on, hold on. I don't think Hopkins comes back at all. I think he's gone. Okay, that's it. So let's assume he does not come back. Let's assume that Bayon retires and Hopkins is not an option. Yes, it leaves that team in a lurch because the assistant coaches that are on that squad right now, the Adrian Autrys, the Jerry McNamara's, you have to look, Jim Bayon's 70 years old. Let's figure he's got at most five more years, at most. They signed an extension through. 2021, so 17, yeah. 18, 18, 19, 19, 20, 21, that's four more years. In four um, years, one of those guys is going to have to take that reign, or they're going to have to go outside the family. And I don't really so mind what? going outside so much.
1: So what you're saying is, you have an issue that your coach got, he has a four-year extension. There's no lurch all it means is there's not a plan in place for four years down the line when he may or may not retire. You're not in a lurch at all. And you know okay. what? If he retires before, he'll you'll do what ninety eight percent of other schools do. You'll find that you won't have a coach in waiting, you'll interview people and you'll find somebody. Yeah, now exactly. I don't know who's gonna to want to replace I don't know who's gonna okay. want to replace Bay Ninety
0: eight percent of the schools in in the country and, look, I don't think Syracuse is better or worse than anybody. I'm not using Syracuse as an elite program. Please don't mistake in this. You have one guy that's been there for 42 years in a place where basketball did not exist before him, okay, as, as a major program. And by before him, I mean before his playing time because he played with Dave Big okay? This is not Kansas, which has a pipeline of recruits for some ungodly reason. this is not North Carolina this is not Arizona, which has another reason to come to the, to the school USC, as in the basketball USC, this is not those schools this is akin and I, I This is a good comparison. This is akin to a Michigan State where if Tom Izzo retires tomorrow, Michigan State basketball could legitimately go into an ice age because Tom Izzo is the only thing bringing kids to Michigan State. It's not Michigan State, and it's not Michigan. It's Michigan State. So you can make the claim that if there is not a coach-in-waiting, if there is not some continuity between Bayheim and the next guy, which there was with Hopkins, you could go into an Ice Age state. And in Syracuse, Ice Age is appropriate. <laughs> so I'm just saying it's a lot different than 98% of the colleges out there. It just is.
1: I, I see your point, um, but also as you said, Bayheim has been there for thirty. Now I don't. What I don't know is I don't know the Bayheim coaching family tree, or if there really is one. I just don't know it. Um,
0: well, I, the family I tree is there. Is there's one guy so. in the family tree? I, I, no, there are three. I'm sorry. There's Rick Pitino who's obviously not going to Syracuse. Nope. There is, uh, what's the old Providence? Uh, Welch, I think his name is needless. He went and coached Virginia for a while. Tim Welch. Tim Welch. Oh,
1: George, no, George Welch. George Welch coached, but that was he coached football. No, who,
0: who coached at Providence? I think it was Tim Welch. Tim Welch. Okay. And Louie Orr. That's it. That's your coaching tree. And along with the guy. oh, and I'm sorry, there is, oh, hold on. There's Jason Hart, who is an assistant at USC. There's Adrian Archie and Jerry McNamara, who are coaches with Syracuse. And there's Alan Griffin, who is a coach or was a coach with Archie Miller at Dayton, who may or may not go to, and we'll talk about Indiana in a second. With him to Indiana. But that's it. It's not like, it's not what Dean Smith had. It's not what Mike Shisewski had. It's not this great group of guys that you can plug and play. If Shisewski retires tomorrow, he's got 25 guys, I'm exaggerating, that, could, that can plug and play in Duke and not live up to Shisewski, but have some semblance of continuity. I don't think Tom Izzo has that in Michigan State. So that's why I was comparing him to Bayhan. So I just think that, that it, it's, a, it's a lot different. So, but we'll see how that works. And I'm glad to have Behan for four more years. I really am. It's always nice to have a Hall of Fame coach. But Bayhan's 70 years old, and his recruiting class isn't any better next year. I never thought I'd be the one that says, let's go Mets because you might actually uh, I finally got to a sport where I might make the playoffs this so year. Sure. In any sport, <laughs> I always thought that would be sure to basketball. Baseball is right well, around we'll the corner. We'll... Speaking, speaking of which, next week will be our baseball preview. Um, a little plug for that. But let's let's move on to Indiana, where one person that hosts this show was very confident that a guy from Westwood was going to be the coach of Indiana. The other guy on the show said there wasn't a shot in hell of that happening. And I'd like, I'd like some kudos on this one. Come on, I don't even, rem-
1: I don't remember that you said that, but I'll take your word for it. Um, I was hoping Alford would come back. Uh, I think Archie Miller is a coaching upgrade to be perfectly honest. Um, but I guess the buyout was the buyout I believe is enormous. And with the with a number two recruiting class coming in for UCLA and him making four and a half million a year. You know and it's not a rough life, rough life for Steve Alfred out there in Westwood. I don't, and
0: Seth, I don't think he wanted the job. It's a no one situation
1: for him. disagree with you one Because you were comparing him to Knight. And Knight's been out for twenty no, years.
0: No, but I was I wasn't comparing him to Knight. I was saying that he is the golden boy that is coming back where the last golden age of Indiana basketball was Bobby Knight. And he is the last vestige. There hasn't been a player that played for Bobby Knight that's coached at Indiana. No. So he he would be that guy. So he's the golden boy. He's the Damon Bailey that would come back and, for those that don't remember Damon Bailey, Mr. Indiana Basketball, which I believe Alfred was Mr. Iowa Basketball. that. Um, I don't remember the UK. yes. So, the fact is, he's coming back and he's the golden boy. And, if the golden boy is no good, the golden boy has no win. And, there is no upside for where he is at. He... he I don't think going back to Indiana is an upgrade for Steve Alford. I agree. I don't think
1: it would have been the right choice, but I thought it was a choice that was going to be made. Cause what they were saying. They were offering was I think seven years and $32 million for a guy who I don't believe has ever broken the sweet 16. Um, a nice job if you can get it but they went the other direction they went for a a smaller school coach in Archie Miller who took Dayton I believe to the final eight two years ago Sean Miller's brother from down in Arizona been successful wherever he goes I see no reason that that'll change in Bloomington and I think Fred Glass the, the athletic director I think he made the right choice I think it's as good an option as you're going to get. Um, and
0: that's, that's another school that I don't understand how they recruit, other than within Indiana.
1: Well, I don't know enough about their recruit. I mean, they've had big-time recruits. I know Thomas Bryant, the center, was a big-time recruit. The one who got hurt this year, who's coming out in the draft, O.J. Uh, or A.J., I forget the last name. Big time recruit Blackman Robert Williams are big recruits. Tom Green was able to recruit. Look, Tom Green brought brought them from I guess level one to about level six. No hope is Archie Miller will bring them back to level eight or nine or ten. I don't know if I see it, but you know we'll see how that plays out. But he's a very he is a very I agree he's a very good coach. But I don't know how easy recruiting Indiana is. It's I kind of compare it, I think I said this on last week's show, and props to Dylan Carpel for filling in nicely for Sean. Um, it's like the, it's like Notre Dame football, where the prestige of it has kind of fallen a little bit by the wayside. And it just doesn't have the appeal that it had 15, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Where when you were talking in the Blue Bloods, you were talking UCLA, and you were talking Indiana. Those were really the blue bloods. Um, UCLA, partially, you know, it's like a 20-year pretty much detour from it. Not that I'd say they're back, but they're a lot of fun to watch. Indiana, you know, their last Final Four team was the team I believe that lost to Maryland in '03, in or '02, excuse me. And then before prior to that, they had a couple of good teams in. I think they had a, they were a number one seed one year and may have lost to you guys.
0: Uh, oh, no, they uh, They beat us in '87.
1: Well, they beat you in '87 in the national title game. That's the Keith Smart, Shop. right? But they had a yep. team that was one, number one in the country, and Cody Zeller got, or Zeller got hurt, and
0: I forget who the, yep. the swingman got hurt. We beat them in the but, Elite Eight in in uh in 2009. Yep, 2009. Okay,
1: so that I mean that that team at one point was the number one team in the country. So they, you know, Kareem did get somewhere with them, but that fan base is so devoted, it's almost terrifying. And it just made it's going to be very hard for anyone to live up to the expectation and live up to what Knight did, thirty, forty, fifty—hard to imagine, but literally forty, forty-five years ago. I mean, he won cha- he won a championship the year we were born, he won a championship when we were five, and he won a championship when we were ten. And they, they were, you know, they were competitive all along the, the way. And it's a different era, and we've talked about this, it's a very different era of college basketball.
0: Yeah, I agree. So I'm looking on ESPN right now, and I love this this quote from Ben McAdoo. There is no reason that Geno Smith cannot can't be the quarterback of the future. Well there's one reason I can think of. Well he sucks.
1: That was the reason I that was the reason I had. <laughs> <laughs> that was that that was really where I was going with this. Um he yeah he he was to say he was not good with the Jets is an understatement in a half. And interestingly, the giants have made a couple moves and a lot of them are based and based around the Jets. And the rumors are going after Nick Mangold, who while a really nice player, considering they have an all pro
0: center in Western Richburg, I'm not oh, really no, sure of no, no, the, no. the rush. Hold on. What, um, not the rumor, but talks have been that Mangold would move to guard. Oh, is that what it is? I haven't. I'm in busy season.
1: I haven't been able to catch up on all this stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, if they can get him under their under their uh, cap, you know. I mean, you've had Mangold for many years. I mean, we're becoming the we're becoming the pseudo Jets, which is both interesting and funny, considering the Jets may not win three games next year
0: well, well hold on a second but you're also you're getting you got Brandon Marshall at six million dollars when he was going to earn nine you're going to get probably Nick Mangold at one when he was gonna earn nine and you're getting Gino oh, I love it. right so it's not you're getting the Jets you're not the byproduct of the Jets. The Jets would have loved to have held on to Nick Mangold at one million dollars or two million dollars. Nick Mangold made the Pro Bowl last year, and granted, the Pro Bowl is not what the Pro Bowl was. But Nick Mangold's a very good player still. Brandon yes, yes. Marshall is an extremely good player. They're not. They're not what they were five years ago or six or ten years ago in Mangolds, but they're still very serviceable if not better than average players. Oh, absolutely. The reason the, the reason the Jets, you're picking two of the better Jets, thankfully for you, and one of the shitty, well, I shouldn't be saying that, one of the crappy Jets. <laughs> one of the crappy Jets, that's how much I, okay, let's remember, and I think we hosted a show soon after when the Jets picked Geno Smith. And I'm sitting at a bar right outside the Yankee Stadium waiting to go to a Yankee, which tells you what, what kind of mood I was in to begin with, that I trekked all the way up to the Bronx to watch the Yankees play. And Was I, this, for a, girl. Was was this probably, for a girl? No, it was probably right before my birthday, because the draft is generally around my birthday. And. Right. Um, I think somebody got me tickets. With uh, It definitely was not a girl, because we were hanging out in the bar watching the NFL draft, which I would not be doing if I was on a date. Well, let's be fair. I probably would be doing it if I was on a date. But if if, a, girl, the if bar, a girl was going to do with you
1: and wanted to do with you, she would be the first Mrs. Palmer.
0: Yeah, so this is the second round, so it's a Friday night, and... They get to the Jets pick, and I go anybody but Geno Smith. I say this out loud. Anybody but Geno Smith. Anybody but Geno Smith. Anybody. The New York Jets select G- from West Virginia.
1: that crap!
0: <laughs> and my hand slammed down on the bar, and I walked out of the bar fast enough that I didn't even get to hear that it was Geno Smith because I was so disgusted. So if you'd like to deal with Gino, I will sit in the third row of the stands, and from the huddle, he may be able to hit me. I have, Seth, I have
1: no confidence in the pick. I have no, Seth, we
0: cannot hear you. Seth, you went on speaker and you walked away, and we cannot hear you at all. I have no
1: confidence in, in the pickup.
0: But I guess it's also... Let's get him
1: away from the Jets. He was a second round <laughs> pick. Let's see there. I'm sh- look. I'm
0: I'm stretching here. I get that. Um,
1: Good I don't buy thing. it.
0: If if you guys done, you guys are done anyway, right? Most likely. Uh, with Geno
1: Smith as our quarterback, yes.
0: <laughs>
1: um, I. I I also wouldn't be surprised if they if they took a sec, if they took a flyer on a second or a third round pick on a QB. Um, I think this is Eli's year to prove he's still. You know, the last two years, it's been a bit disappointing. And part you can blame the running game, you can blame the offensive line. They have the wideouts this year. The wideout crew is as good as anybody's. They're gonna probably draft. They're gonna probably pick up a tight end. The line, if they pick up Mangold, is going to be better because they're gonna. They are probably gonna draft the lineman as well. So, and I like Paul Perkins as a running back. So, plus Shane, Shane Marine. So, this is you. You don't want to tell a guy who's been your quarterback for fourteen, you know, for almost fifteen, for thirteen years, that it's a make it or break it year. He's won two Super Bowls, like him or dislike him. He's been a pretty good quarterback. I won't say he's been great, but he's been a pretty good quarterback through the years. If this year falls apart, I have a feeling you're not going to see Eli back next, the following year.
0: Well, so. it, it, Seth, if nothing else, you guys definitely need the league in personalities. Because you have three wideouts and probably seven personalities between the three of them. So you're definitely on board there. No question about it and we'll we'll be dealing with a um NFL draft preview probably in about a month. I mean, we got our baseball preview next week and we'll we'll talk fantasy baseball at the same time. So we might make that a 90-minute 90 90-minute 90 show. But yeah, in about a month we're at the we're at the NFL uh the NFL draft and in 2 years speaking of the NFL draft, it will not be the Oakland Raiders 2 to 3 years, but rather The Las Vegas Raiders, because they got almost a billion dollars out of the city of Las Vegas for a new stadium. Mark Davis, in the uh, spirit of his father, Al, is just win, baby. Well, now it's just win and throw the dice in Las Vegas. So let me ask you a two-part question. Good move for the Raiders, good move for the NFL. Yes or no? I don't know. Um
1: as a as a as a purist, I'm disappointed. The Oakland fans are the best fans or just about the best fans you have. But we've been to that stadium. We were there for baseball, not for football. That stadium is a hole in the wall. And Davis had gone look, Davis had tried to move to LA my understanding is Davis made all sorts of efforts to try and keep the team in in Oakland. Nobody really knows. Like, we don't know. Is it good for the NFL? Probably in the long run, it is. You're going to have a team in Vegas at some point. Um, The gambling thing is not as consequential. I don't believe since you have gambling everywhere now, go to Minnesota and gamble. You can go to New York and gamble, Pennsylvania and gamble. It's confronting the issue up up front, I guess. You know, it's gonna, I, I I admittedly I, I don't love the idea of being a 21 year old rookie, you know, first round pick with millions to spend, and I'm living on the strip. Um, I feel bad for the Oakland fans. I'm sure Diane ferrone is put is pouring some out for all the homies right now. Um, if that's her calling in, I'm gonna laugh my ass off. But it's, they got a billion dollars, they got nothing from Oakland. They got a billion dollars to build up, to build out one of the most growing, you know, one of the most, I guess, growing populations in the country. Am I happy about it? No. Do I blame them? Not particularly. But I'm also, I also like that the city kind of stood up and said, look, you know, we shouldn't be paying for all this public fund. You know, I like the idea of not, of non-public, fund, of not having public funding. And if you I know Vegas did but Vegas also has no other sports teams and well, we've seen how
0: that's, that's not necessarily true
1: professional sports teams
0: the the Las Vegas Black Knights will start in the NHL next, week, next year
1: that is true, I forgot about that um, but look, there's very few towns There's very few towns of Vegas' magnitude that hadn't had sports teams previously.
0: I agree. So, you
1: know, am I happy? No. Do I understand that? Yes. It's just the nature of doing business, unfortunately.
0: Okay. I think this is horrendous for many different reasons. First of all, it means, yes, the stadium was a hole, a black hole, actually. But – The stadium that we saw was for baseball, it could have been different for football. And it could have been much better in colder weather rather than sitting on plastic in the 100-degree heat. So for that purpose, I give them a pass, at least for that reason. Football is a lot different than baseball. Baseball stadium is is awful. It's in an awful area. I, I grant you that. You lose another market. Which was vacated by San Francisco, where they moved to Santa Clara, so now, they have, so now that market is now vacant. Most you have two markets. You have the Oakland market and now the San Diego market, both they out a team, which I think is reprehensible, as both of them deserve a team. Las Vegas is a transient city. So I I understand that the suites will all be eaten up alive by all of the all of the uh casinos, but I wonder what the actual stands will look like and whether they will be able to fill the stands on a Sunday afternoon. Say they have a four o'clock game, a one o'clock game in in, in Las Vegas. Will visitors to Las Vegas stick around for till six o'clock and then take a flight home just to watch a football game. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I know I'm you'll not definitely sure either. Get...
1: Sorry, continue, and then I'll respond.
0: No, that's it. That's it. I'm done. See, I guess to me, the big issue,
1: and I guess I'm assuming Jake is agreeing right now. The big issue is to me, yes, you lose, you lose at Oakland, San Francisco, I mean, call the 49ers what they are. It's not San Francisco. Um, that You lose that metropolis. Now, supposedly by was it 2020, 2025, Vegas is going to surpass Oakland. I read that, but that's certainly not in a few years. I am not as concerned about the fandom, and this is why. You're not talking a baseball that has 81 games you're trying to sell out. You're not talking a, football, a basketball that has 42 games. I, the reason that hockey made sense is I think the bar, in my mind, again, I'm not a hockey guy like you are, is that the bar was set a little bit lower. Because you don't know, you're not expecting, unless you're you're in Montreal or you're Toronto, you're, you're Toronto, not, I'm not expecting the Black Knights to sell out every game. I don't for hockey. Maybe it's because I'm a Devils fan and they, and they they haven't sold out in God knows how many years. But when I'm looking at the NFL, I'm looking realistically, I'm looking at eight games or I'm looking at 10 games if you want to include two preseason. I don't think it's going to be an issue getting fans there. I don't. Now, is it going to be the same community that you had in Oakland? No, nothing is the same community as Oakland. Um, will a community come about? Yeah, no one was that excited about the Oilers moving to Tennessee. You know, they have a fan base. Jacksonville has a good fan base. I mean, nobody was that excited about Jacksonville having a team. So um, the fan base will come, whether it's it's dissatisfied Oakland fans who blame the city, not the team, or it's just new fans that are coming in and need a t- need a play need a team to it for. I'm not. I'm
0: just not as concerned. Okay, what well do you say about two year, two to three years, that they're going to play in Oakland, where those <clears throat> Oakland fans, I believe, by year two, will not give a rat's toot about this team. I think you're going to. You're not going to see. If there was a stadium that was visibly available to in Las Vegas this year. I see that. But to say that you got to play in a lame duck city for a couple of years.
1: Oh, I don't and think they will. Have
0: people, I, and have people I care. think they're
1: going to end up playing. I think they're going to play this year in Oakland. I think the year, the in-between year, I it's what, three years it's going to be done. I think the second year you're going to be looking at play, them playing at UNLV for a year. I think it's okay. going to kind of be minor league-ish, but... I agree that I think the Oakland fans are, there's going to be a revolt. And look, I'm not in favor of this. I think it's terrible, but do I understand the rational, irrationality rationality of Mark Davis doing it? Yeah. He wants money. <laughs> it's you have you, you have no funding, you have a bad stadium. And it's, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's what I would do. In my shop, but we, I mean, you can't be surprised by it. We had saw this, you know, we, this has been discussed. He was trying to be, go to Los Angeles and he was the third, you know, there were two choices and he was number three. You know, and so, you know, what are you looking at? You're looking at San Antonio, you're looking at Vegas, you're looking at Portland. And so uh, to, to me, it was, it was, it was a business, it was obviously a business move. And it was, let's find the best seller, well, you know, let's find the best deal available. And then we call it a day. Brian Sandoval, well, the governor of Nevada, did that.
0: Well, just so you know, the UNLV Rebels Stadium holds about 40,000 people. And the new stadium in 2020 will lead to the eventual demolition of that stadium. So I don't believe it's on the same site, though. I don't believe it's on UNLV's campus. So they will be able to have both of them run concurrently. But the most that they have put in that stadium at one time was 44,000 people. So given the fact that the Chargers are playing in a stadium that is less than 30,000 for a couple of years, I can't remember – oh, I can't – StubHub Arena, the StubHub Stadium. The Soccer soccer Stadium. The Soccer Stadium. uh, I guess there is some precedent to put them in one for uh, a year, but there is going to be – I agree with you. There is going to be a major revolt in Oakland. And I could definitely see a game this year where you have less than twenty thousand people there. And this
1: is for a team that has a legitimate make, is going to make a legitimate run at the Super Bowl. But you know, you lost. You, you can't blame the fans. You know, the, they live and die this. And you know, there are no there are no more devoted fans in the NFL than those who belong to the Black Hole. So I can only imagine what the response, and kind of intrigued by what the response is going to be when this is all said and done.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So we have about 10 minutes left. Like I said, next week we're going to have our baseball preview, probably a 90-minute show, and uh, and we'll go from there. And then in a month we're going to have our NFL uh, draft preview. But we're going to go through – a series of the teams and what teams need over the next couple of weeks, because the draft is always an interesting time. I absolutely love the draft. It's probably no, my but let me time. ask you something. I, more and more, yeah. I read articles
1: about whether the draft should should exist,
0: whether it should exist. And I don't know if
1: you should exist, Where, okay. or whether there's whether you should be better off that all these people should be free. All these. People coming out should be free agents. Have you ever read any of these articles? You've seen this about the NBA draft as well, more about the NBA well, than I, the NFL.
0: I understand the labor employment law that goes along with it, where you are basically, because you have a monopoly on the sport, which the NBA and NFL and Major League Baseball basically do, you can collectively bargain, which is why the draft is all the, – the drafts are collectively bargained. So right, that's the that's why they have them. Um, there used to not be a draft, especially in the NFL and in I think in the NBA too. Certainly in baseball before 1967, but there were ter- there were territorial picks, which meant that if you belonged, if and obviously that would not be the case now. But say Pistol Pete was, was from Las Vegas. Uh, sorry, from Louisiana he would go to, and he did go, to the New Orleans Jazz. It was a territorial pick. Um, Spencer Haywood. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, please.
1: No, 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 we only got five
0: more minutes. So go ahead. Well,
1: there was a draft because Bill Russell, which I believe the rights to Bill Russell were traded by the St. Louis Hawks to the Celtics. Correct. I believe it was for the first pick in the draft. It was because there was it two was. picks and Cliff uh, Ed easy Ed McCauley, who's also ironically a Hall of Famer um, for the, now, but obviously not a tier, not a top five all-time player. Um, no, it was just, I read an article about it and how it it, it was just, I, I, I think it was on Bleacher Report and, or SB Nation. I don't read Bleacher Report, but it was just interesting to think about because we do take so much. It's amazing how the how the draft has progressed, both sports. Where you know, twenty twenty five years ago, no one really gave.
0: You still there? I think we might have lost that. We definitely lost that. Anyway, I think what he was saying was twenty to twenty five years ago, there there was the formation of the draft. And nobody really cared about it. And here we are, it being big business. So I totally get that. And we can certainly explore that next week. and uh, Actually, in two weeks, we'll have a discussion solely about the draft. And it looks like Seth's back on. Seth, we, we, we said in two weeks. So next week, we're going to talk Major League Baseball and the preview. Woo-hoo. And the week after, well, yeah, I know, it's your favorite topic. It's not It's not the dog days of August, my friend. And then um, in two weeks, we'll have a just a special on the draft, and maybe we'll bring in a labor employment lawyer that I know of, and we'll talk whether the draft uh, violates law. And I'm telling you, it doesn't because it's been collectively bargained. But the fact is, should the draft exist, what would replace the draft? And if you if you recall, this year at least in baseball will be the first time that there will be an international draft. So there are rules that will um, a- allow teams to select those Cuban baseball players that were getting millions and millions of dollars, will now be relegated to the draft rules, which bring down the salaries. And you can certainly say that the only reason that there is a draft is because it brings down salaries. So... We have five more minutes, Seth why don't you take it first? go right ahead, sir well
1: first of all who your before I get to that, what are your picks for who are your picks for for Saturday night and for Monday night?
0: Well, I will tell you right now that whoever I pick will be wrong, so I am going to enjoy the only two game the only three games I will see in the tournament. I will not make a selection.
1: okay. I will take Gonzaga over North Carolina in the final um okay. My shout out is to is to Bruce Arena and the US soccer team. Now, we the soccer team has been going through quite a bit of obscure, of mediocrity over the last several years to say the least. Jurgen Klinsmann his, you know, although his motivation and his motivational tactics and his I guess charisma got him so far, there's always been a question about his tactical ability. And when he was deservedly let go after their second loss in in the uh, World Cup qualifying, they brought back the old reliable Bruce Arena, who had led them to a final eight showing in 2002. And the question was, you know, maybe the team is less talented than it was. Maybe they're just not developing. If anyone saw any of Saturday night's game, where they beat Honduras. They didn't beat Honduras. They embarrassed them, um, winning 6 nothing, and really kind of looking like the team we anticipated you would see with the, t- with the talent that they do have. Um, not only do they look like, once again, like the threat that they should be to come out of the world, to come out of CONACAF, but potentially to hopefully to do a little bit more than that even. So I know it's one game, and they play a huge game tonight at ten o'clock against Panama. Um, and you know, it just kind of makes you wonder whether this this decision should have been made a year, two years, even three years or three years ago.
0: Well, okay, we all know that I will not be tuning into that game tonight um, <laughs> because for the same reason that he said woohoo. I don't even know if CONCAF even counts because I don't know what counts in in soccer anymore. Um, I do know that I was mildly, the If The ball goes into the net. It's the goal. Thanks. Yeah, but I don't know whether this is an exhibition or whether it's a friendly or whether it's it World Cup. Ball. It's World Cup. Cup ball. It's World Cup tournament. qualifying. World is Cup a qualifying, league? my friend. Oh, it's a it's a qualifier, so it's not a qualifier for the qualifier, so it's an actual qualifier. No. So if they win this one game they're in, no, that doesn't happen. No. Then you have to win the no, divisions, is... go into the final game. No so Jesus. There's ten games.
1: Definitely a Top three teams charge. make the cup. Number four yeah. plays okay. number four has a playing game.
0: All right. Top three teams in the what? In in the eastern seaboard? Are we talking <laughs> the Northern Hemisphere? We're, we're anyway. Anyway, continue. You have two minutes. Go. Anyway, I was I was quite impressed speaking on the same vein uh, when I was in Australia. Did you know they actually call it soccer? I loved it. They actually call it soccer. With that in mind, we'll talk more about this next week. For Seth Camus this has been Sean Palmer. BackSportsPage.com, dot com blog talk radio dot com, and we'll see you next week with our baseball preview. See ya. Have a good one.